All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to take a break from the book of Acts. I know uh, Jamie was in the book of Acts last week talking about God's plan and heart for the world. Uh, We're going to continue a little bit of that theme this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 2, and then uh, after Thanksgiving, we will hop back into the book of Acts. Let me, uh, and one announcement we forgot to mention is that next Sunday, there is no 11 o'clock college service because we figure you will still be at home for the most part, celebrating with your family, or you'll come to the game and then go back home. And so uh, no 11 o'clock, there is a 7 p.m. college service next week. So come on out to that. Main service is across the street. We'll still be rolling next week if you happen to be here. So, all right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 20 to 22. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Would you pray with me? Father, as we saying just a few moments ago, we want to praise the name of your son, Jesus. We want all of our praise to be directed toward him as our savior and as our God. Father, not just the praise of our lips, but with our bodies, with our minds, I pray that we would seek to be vessels of honor who are used in your service. Father, you know that that there are those of us in here this morning who are trying to determine uh, what is the future that you have in store for us, What is the purpose of our life and our unique place in your plan? Father, I pray that that would become clear, not only this morning, but as we walk throughout the rest of this year, the rest of our days, I pray we would use our time and our energy to praise the name of Jesus and to draw others to praise him. As we study your word this morning, give us wisdom, Father. Open up our minds that we would understand what you have to say to us. Remove the distractions and the worries from this past week. Lord, you know what those are, and you know what we need. Father, I pray, move in our hearts. Soften our hearts toward you. And Father, empower our hands and feet for your service. I pray for me as I speak, that I would speak with clarity and with power that comes from your spirit. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife and I got married Almost 13 years ago, it was the year 2000, so right at the turn of the millennium, easy to remember how many years we have been married. And uh, one of the great things about getting married, of course, besides building a life together and getting to spend your life with your best friend, one of the fun things about getting married is uh, if you have generous friends and family, they provide you with gifts to establish your home, right? And we had some great generous friends and family, and so when we returned from our honeymoon, there were still presents we had not yet opened that were waiting in our apartment for us to open when we got back. Uh, So we sat down in the living room, began to open these presents. There were all kinds of awesome things from toasters to microwaves to all sorts of awesome uh, kitchenware and cookware and all sorts of things. And uh, as we opened the presents, we opened one box and we pulled out an item that would be hard for me to describe because to this day, I don't know exactly what it was. Uh, We pulled it out of the box and it was a piece of glass decoration, multicolored, somewhat round, very shallow. So not quite like a bowl. You couldn't put salsa in it or anything like that. Uh, Flat 
and it had little ridges around the side of it, and it was about this wide. Uh, It looked like a very large ashtray or a very small chips and salsa bowl, except a really good-looking ashtray, if that was what it was, because it was made of this really nice glass. And I remember my wife pulled it out of the box, and we both looked at it, and she goes, wow, it's a... And then she stopped, because neither of us knew what it was or what it was supposed to be used for. And in that moment, I just burst into laughter. And uh, we laughed for a long time. And then we said, okay, we got to stop. Somebody gave this to us. Somebody paid money for this. Stop laughing. But I couldn't stop laughing because I had no clue what this thing was. And we ended up, we put it back in the box and we had to try to figure out where did this even come from? Who sells such an item? Right? And we found it at a department store and we exchanged it for some kind of credit and got something else. But I think back on that moment and I go, I still to this day, do not know what it is. I was trying to look for something similar online today to show you a picture and I can't find anything like it, right? It's like somebody in a factory goes, let's make this, right? And they shipped off like a thousand of them. Someone came by and goes, stop making that. We don't know what that is, right? And they don't make it anymore. Now, as I think about that dish, uh, it, it poses a question. Uh, and the question is this, have you ever felt like that thing? You look at your life, you look at yourself and you go, "Uh, you know what, I've got some great skills. Maybe uh, I have a healthy body. Maybe uh, I have things I can do and think about, but I really don't know what I'm here for. What is my purpose? Why do I exist? Now, certainly you can come up with spiritual answers to that question. Uh, If you read the Bible and you've grown up in church, you go, okay, I exist to glorify God. But what does that mean? And practically speaking, what is my unique place in God's plan? Why am I here? And if we're honest, all of us have wrestled with those feelings at times, haven't we? Why am I here? Why am I going to class for so many hours a week studying math and Victorian literature and all sorts of things that I may or may not care about? Why is it? that I work at a particular job to earn money and it is a job that I may or may not even like. What am I here for? What is the purpose of my life? Now, the good news is this. If you know Jesus Christ this morning, then the scripture has given us an overarching mission for our lives, right? One that we talk about all the time in here comes from Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came up, that is to his disciples, and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus says this to his disciples, uh, your mission from this point on, right before he sends in heaven, he says, your mission is go into all the world and make disciples. That is, teach people how to follow me, how to know what I say, to learn from me. And then those disciples will go out and make more disciples who will make more disciples who will make more disciples in your mission and my mission as a person who knows Jesus Christ is to participate in that task. To say, I want to be a part of whatever God is doing to bring people to know Jesus Christ. Not only at A&M, not only at Blinn, not only in College Station, but all around the world. That's my mission. Now the question is, how do I prepare myself to be the kind of man or woman equipped to do that task? And what is your unique place? What is my unique place in that mission? Right, as a ministry here at Grace Bible Church, 
I think the primary reason that we are here and we exist is to help equip you guys to say, I know where God is leading me after college and what part I have in his plan so that I can take that statistics that I'm studying. I can take that literature or that science or whatever it is. And I say, I want to take the knowledge and the information and the skills God has given me and use them uniquely to share the gospel here and around the world, to help people go around the world and share Jesus, to use my financial resources and my talents and my ability to say, I want to be a part of this plant. That's what you're here for. And so as we process this question of why are we here? Scripture tells us you're here to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been talking about. Last week, Jamie talked about God's heart for the world. He looked at it from the book of Acts. This week, I want to look at a different passage, 2 Timothy 2. I want to say, how can I be equipped to be a person who's ready for whatever God calls me to do? The book of 2 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul to a young guy named Timothy. Timothy is probably not much older than you and I are in here this morning. He may have been about my age, maybe even a little bit younger, right? I'm in my 30s. And Timothy is a guy that Paul has left in Ephesus to pastor the church in Ephesus and to make these disciples and it's an intimidating task. Ephesus is a city that is overrun with idols. Uh, They worshiped the goddess Artemis and the temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the world and you can still see its ruins today. If you go there, it's enormous. And she was this goddess of fertility and of hunting and they worshiped this goddess. And in fact, when Paul goes to preach the gospel in Ephesus, there's a riot in Ephesus because he's drawing people away from the worship of Artemis, which was a lucrative practice. Paul shares the gospel. This little band of believers gets started and leaves this young guy, probably in his 20s, to pastor this little church. And this book, written right before Paul's death, is an exhortation to Timothy to say, stand firm in what you have been made to do to share the gospel. And here's how you're going to prepare for it. So we're going to look at a particular passage, a powerful command to us to say, you know what? I want to lay aside all distractions in my life and pursue the mission that God has for us. So I can be ready to say, all right, I know I'm going to go overseas, or I know that I'm going to be a business person who uses my abilities and my resources to fulfill the great commission, or I know I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do for God's glory. How do I prepare? And the first thing we see is this, as we walk through 2 Timothy 2, Paul says, first of all, set aside all sins and distractions. Look again at verse 20 and 21. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. All right, let me go back again to uh, my own engagement and marriage, just a different illustration. A few months before we got married, Shannon and I had a three-month engagement, real quick engagement. Uh, We went and we registered for all these things, right? So uh, guys, the coolest part about that is you get to walk through Target with a little laser gun and shoot everything, right? With a little laser gun and you register. We also went and we tended to do this back in my generation. People don't do this as much anymore. We went and we registered for Fine China. All right, so we went over to like Dillard's and we sat down and the lady said, okay, here's some China with pictures of fruit, right? Here's some China with little blue swirly designs on it. Here's some China with silver on it. Which do you like? And they asked me and I said, I don't care, right? I really don't because I don't know what we're doing here. I've never used Fine China in my life. And of course, uh, when you say something like that, your fiance with a little tear goes, you need to care. This is important. People are gonna spend money. We may use this someday. Uh, We have used it, Twice, I think, maybe in 13 years. 
However, uh, we sat down and we registered for this and I thought, I have never used such a thing before. Why? Because most of my diet as a college guy consisted of macaroni and cheese, right? That was about 80% of my diet. It was the staple of everything I ate. So I didn't have guys over and go, all right, here you go. Fine china, macaroni and cheese. Fill your crystal goblet with milk, we shall partake, right? We didn't do that. All right, on the other hand, if I had the president of the United States over, for example, I'm going to get out that fine china. I'm not going to use the dog bowl, right, to serve chicken parmesan. Here you go, sir. Served in the plastic dog bowl, chicken parmesan, right? That would be disgusting. Certain vessels are for certain purposes. Others are for ignoble purposes. That's what Paul says. In any house, you've got some things you use for fine purposes and some things you use for ordinary, common, everyday purposes. And especially in a Jewish home, uh, they would have some vessels that were used for impure purposes and some that were used for the cooking of food that had to be kosher. So uh, you would, did not want to mix these vessels. Some vessels were used for storing waste. Some vessels were used essentially as bedpans. And those vessels that became impure, they would just smash them on the ground when they were done with them. But there were other vessels that they would serve food in that were for special occasions. And Paul uses this as a metaphor and he says, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ are intended to be these fine vessels used for noble purposes in God's kingdom. And so Paul says, look, if you will cleanse yourself from impurity and sin and distraction, then you'll be ready to be a noble vessel used for the purposes of God. And I think often when we think about impurity, we think strictly of those sins that everybody talks about, worries about. Maybe it is lust, maybe it is pride, maybe it is greed, and all of these biggies we think about and we say, what I really need to do is create this list of things I should not do and remove those from my life and then I'll be ready to serve God. And there is something to that. Paul certainly says, remove these sins from your life, but we do that through the power of the Spirit. And I think often what we forget is that it's not just these sins that keep us from walking with God. Sometimes there are things that are good that just become distractions. And so I begin to live my life saying, what I really want to do is get a 4-0. And if I could get a 4-0, some of you are like, it's way too late for that. I realize that. But let's say that you're like, I could get a 4-0. And if I could get a 4-0, then my life would be perfect and I'd be happy. Or if I get into law school or med school or I get the right career or people know my name or I have enough money and we begin to focus on these things that in and of themselves aren't bad, right? If I get a 4-0 and people know my name and I get the right career and I can utilize that for the glory of God to say, I want to bring all of my resources and use them in the service of the gospel so people will know Jesus Christ. Wonderful. But often we allow these good things to turn into sinful things. And my heart starts to turn toward these things of the world. Maybe it is a relationship. Even though marriage is a wonderful thing, we say, that's the purpose of my life. And when I finish here after my seven years, I'm going to be married. And I'll stay for eight if I have to, right? And we begin to turn our hearts toward these things that draw us away from the central focus of pursuing Jesus Christ. And Paul says, in the grand scheme of eternity, you're going to look at these pursuits that drew you away from the name of Jesus Christ. And you're going to say they were distractions that made me a vessel of common use. Or you can say, I want to be a vessel used for God's purposes, that I will go wherever he leads. He says, 
couple of ways that you do that. All right, first of all, you seek holiness. You seek holiness. He says, you will be a vessel for honor, sanctified. Some of your translations probably say set apart as holy. Holiness is this idea that I am completely set apart for God's purposes. And I won't engage myself in sin or in distraction or in pursuits that would keep me from focusing on the character of Jesus Christ. Holiness biblically does not mean that you always have to wear a white robe and practice a certain list of regulations. Holiness instead means I am set apart like fine china. I'll never forget uh, years ago when I was in college, I remember hearing my sweet mates having a discussion about the gospel. And these three or four people were talking about, is the Bible true? And this one guy said, it is true. Jesus died. He rose again. He's real. And if you believe in him, you can have eternal life. And these other guys said, no, it's absolutely not the case. And this guy said, I'm going to demonstrate it to you. I'm going to come up with proofs and apologetics and all this kind of stuff. And I remember listening to this conversation and I thought this is an intriguing conversation because all of them were drunk. And I thought, what an interesting way to not remember tomorrow that you said you'd share the gospel with your friends. And when we engage in behavior that is unholy, we undermine the witness that we could have for Jesus Christ. That's why Peter says it this way, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so each day we come before God. And really, holiness, pursuing holiness, is not a matter, again, of just mustering up my will. Instead, it's a matter of coming before God and you say, God, I'm unworthy and unable to pursue you and to know you and to be holy apart from the power of your spirit. So set me apart to you. Teach me purity. Teach me righteousness. Teach me focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Set me apart. And as we do that, then we have the opportunity then to be prepared for anything that may arise. Wherever God directs our path, we'll be ready. Some of you have probably seen the original Karate Kid movie, right? Not the one with Will Smith's son that came out a few years ago, but uh, the original one with Ralph Macchio, one of the great actors of our time, right? You guys have seen this uh, movie where uh, he goes under the tutelage of Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi says, I will train you for the tournament, but no questions. And what does he begin having Daniel do? Paint the fence, right? Wax the car, wax on, wax off, wax on. Sand the, the floor, right? Sand the floor. After weeks of this, Daniel finally says, uh, I quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. You're supposed to be teaching me karate. Mr. Miyagi says, you listen. And Daniel says, I will not listen. Begins to leave. Mr. Miyagi goes, show me. Wax on, wax off. Right? And he does it. Show me, paint the fence. Show me, sand the floor. And lo and behold, he's secretly been learning karate moves. Right? Without knowing it. And he goes on to win the tournament. Right? He stands like an ostrich at the end. He kicks the guy in the face. And he learns. (laughs) What? He learns trust. That even though it seems like I'm not doing anything significant, I'm preparing. Second Timothy chapter two, if anyone cleanses him from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared 
for every good work. You go, what's the connection between holiness and being ready to share the gospel, being ready to do great things for God's kingdom? It is that as we seek holiness in those quiet moments, in those obscure moments, in those times where I go, why am I doing statistics and I have to do this faithfully? Why am I sitting here at Texas A&M when I want to be overseas? Why am I sitting here doing this task now and I've got to do it to the glory of God and it seems like I'm doing nothing important? It's because you are preparing and that is where God shapes your character and makes you ready. I was thinking this week about the life of Moses. Moses, the great leader of the Jewish people, he leads them out of slavery in Egypt. When he's about 80 years old, that's when he leads them out. First 40 years of his life, he spends in Egypt, waiting for God to call him. After 40 years, he has to flee Egypt. He spends 40 years in the desert, waiting for God to call him. God finally calls him. He redeems the people. He takes them out into the wilderness. They begin to go to the promised land and they sin. He spends the last 40 years in the desert. Moses spends the majority of his life in the desert, waiting for that moment when God will call him to a great task. So I think what Paul is getting at is you focus on knowing Jesus Christ, on pursuing holiness, even when it seems like you're living In obscurity, even when it seems like you're not doing what you want to be doing, he's preparing you. He's teaching you patience. He's teaching you courage. He's teaching you character that will be necessary for that moment when you're ready to do his work. And you say, I'm going to be prepared for wherever God leads. And I don't know when or where he's going to take me right now, but I'm going to prepare. And then at that moment when God says, all right, I want you to go here, go here, go here, share the gospel, do my work. You say, I can do that because I've been already doing your will for the last 40 years or 20 years or however long it's been. And in the midst of this preparation, in the midst of God's call then, it says wholeheartedly pursue Jesus Christ. You prepare, you seek holiness, and then you move out into the world and you pursue Jesus and his purposes. Look at verse 22. Flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. It says wholeheartedly pursue Jesus Christ. It says, now, Timothy, flee from these sins and pursue knowing the character of Jesus Christ. Imitate his character. Imitate his character. And he gives four character qualities. But the key is this, he says, as you go out, as you move into the world, as you share the gospel, your primary objective is you say, I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to have the righteousness, the faith, the love, and the peace of Jesus. Ephesians 5 puts it this way. It says, be imitators of God as beloved children. The way that we are able to share Jesus Christ is as we know him and we seek him and we imitate his character and then we speak out the message that Jesus died and rose again to give us eternal life and to provide his spirit who will produce in us righteousness and reconciliation before God. I don't know if you've ever wanted to imitate somebody that you admired. For me, like most little kids, when I was young, it was my dad, right? Uh, I found this picture actually this past week of me imitating my dad, right? That is me probably about 1978, I don't know, 79. Uh, Those things on the coffee table, those are called books. Uh, Some of you have seen them 
uh, in the past, before there were electronic devices. Uh, the other thing that intrigued me was my dad still has these pictures, but my mom no longer allows them in the living room. Uh, these are M.C. Escher drawings. This one has lizards crawling in and out of a picture. Uh, this one has hands drawing hands. All right, they're kind of creepy. And uh, my mom has had these move further and further away from the center of our family's life. But uh, the thing that struck me about this picture was here I am, I am lying on the sofa just like my dad, reading a book just like my dad. And what was interesting was I pull up this picture and I actually, I saw that little boy and he looks just like my son. And I thought, this is what Paul is calling us to, that we are children of God. And our mission is to imitate the God who made us. He says, you pursue righteousness, love, faith, and peace. Righteousness means we obey God's standards, even in a culture that would push us to do otherwise. That we shine Christ's light through the power of his spirit so people can look, as Peter said, and glorify God because they see something different about who he is. Faith means we walk and go wherever God calls and we trust that he'll provide. Love means we're motivated by the love of Jesus Christ, even for those who are sinful, separate from God. And we say, I want the world to know him, even those people that I don't relate to or don't like. Because that's who Jesus is. Peace means I'm going to set aside silly quarrels and disagreements with those around me to pursue Jesus Christ. He says, you do those along with those who worship God, who call on the Lord from a pure heart. You know what purity of heart means? Purity of heart means there's one thing I want, and that's to know God. If my heart is pure, it is unmixed with things that would draw me away from God. He says, you do all of these things so you can fulfill his commission together with those who call on God with a pure heart. Have you ever wanted one thing so badly that you could almost taste it. I uh, had a girl who used to work with us here on staff, and I was talking to her one day about her dating and marriage story, and she mentioned to me that her husband had asked her out repeatedly over the course of six months, and she told him no over and over and over again. And I went and I asked him, so tell me the story. He said, yeah, I asked her out. She said no. I waited a few weeks. I asked her out again. She said no. Wait a little while, asked her out again. She said no. About five, six, seven times he asked her out because that's how much he wanted to date her. Now, I urge caution with that method, right? There, <laughs> there is a line where persistence becomes stalking, right? But in his case, he said, I'm going to be persistent because I care about her. And he focused his eyes on that goal. And what Paul says is once you've purified yourself from sin and distraction and you are imitating the character of Jesus Christ, then you call upon the Lord from the kind of pure heart that says what my mission in life is, is to draw others to know him. And I'm going to lock my eyes on that goal. I'm not going to set it aside. And I'm going to run toward Jesus Christ and ask others to come along. And so... If you want to know what your purpose is, your purpose is to fulfill the Great Commission. What is your unique place in that? What is going to be your job, your career? Maybe you're going to be a missionary. Maybe you're going to be in the business world. Maybe you're going to have some other role. I don't know specifically for each of you. 
but I know what God is calling us to today. To know him, to prepare for the work he has set aside for us, and then to be faithful, to share the gospel. And what we're here to do as a ministry, as a church, is to equip you to do that. To equip you to do that. That's why we're having uh, this lunch today, for example. Some, some of you may be thinking, you know, maybe I just want to see what it is like to share God in another culture, to see what God is doing around the world, to enlarge my heart for his commission all over the world. And so you're going to come and you're going to get some information to see if God may be directing you to spend part of your summer overseas. Or maybe even if he's directing you to take the first year or two out of college and go to a place where men and women don't yet know Jesus Christ so you can proclaim it. Whatever you do, the question to ask is this, are you and I willing to do whatever God asks of us to fulfill our role and his purpose for the world? Whatever God asks. And are you preparing now? Are you seeking the holiness and the character of Jesus Christ? As Jamie and the band come back up, as they do a few more songs for us, I want us to meditate on that question. And here's really my exhortation to you. As you're in college, you're in a place, like Jamie said last week, where uh, you, you have more flexibility, more freedom, more time, more energy than you're ever going to have. And so the exhortation is this. Use that time, that energy, that freedom to actively seek the Lord and ask, what is he calling me to do with my life? And don't rule out anything. And wait for his leadership. That's what we're here to help you do. And that's what we're praying that God will do in your life. So that as you leave here after four years, you say, I know where God is leading. I know where he's directing and I'm going to follow. Father, we do confess this morning that uh, often we feel uncertain of our steps. Father, we confess that we're sinful and we are weak and unable to follow you, but you, through Jesus Christ, reached out to us. You sent him to us to die for us, for our sin, to rise again, and Father, to offer us life with you. And so we pray that our lives and our words and our actions would be motivated by the truth of the gospel and that we would imitate the character of Jesus Christ to reach out all around this campus, all around this world, to share the message that Jesus loves the world with those who need to hear Father, I pray, make it clear to us where you would have us to go and allow us to surrender all of our hearts, our minds to you. We pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.